Welcome to the Unstoppable Podcast, the official podcast of Unstoppable Domains. Join us each week to hear from leading experts in the exciting new fields of blockchain, cryptocurrency, and the decentralized web, where we talk about the future of the internet and what that means for humans like us. Not only will this podcast help you sound super smart around your friends, but you'll also learn how you can become a pioneer in this space and help lead the charge toward a more decentralized web. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Unstoppable Podcast. I'm your host, Diana Chen, and I'm here today with our guest, Samip Singhania. He is one of the founding members at the QuickSwap team, which is for those of you who don't know, the the biggest decentralized exchange on Polygon right now. And I'm super excited to speak with Samip all about QuickSwap, what made him decide to create QuickSwap and uh, any plans for the future that they have. So welcome, Samip. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Thanks, Diana, for the wonderful introduction about myself and QuickSwap. And I would really like to thank you and Unstoppable for hosting me here today. I'm really excited about this chat with you. Of course, of course. So before we dive into QuickSwap, I'm curious to know about your background and how you personally got exposed to crypto in the first place. Like, what was it about crypto that initially caught your attention? So like to give a personal introduction, I am an engineer by heart. Like, so I really love developing applications, writing smart contracts. And like a lot of like I do, a, like I spend all, almost all of my time like writing smart contracts and like developing one or the other thing, right? So I started my like software development journey almost 10 years back, or it's almost a decade now. And I was earlier into core software development. Then in 2017, I decided to lift my regular job and I wanted to do something new right in 2017. So I started figuring out what to do next. And then I stumbled upon blockchain, right? So I was doing a freelancing initially. So I stumbled upon a blockchain project and I really liked it. I really liked the concept of blockchain. I really liked the concept of smart contracts. So like since then, it has been like one hell of a ride. So I haven't doing anything else since then. It's just smart contracts, just Ethereum and like chains on top of Ethereum. So like that's how my journey into blockchain started. So that one project, which I got in 2017, brought me into blockchain. Gotcha. That makes a lot of sense. So I know with engineers, especially, it's sort of easier for um, people with an engineering background to understand blockchain and crypto in general. But for you, when you first learn about blockchain and uh, smart contracts and things like that, did that automatically make sense to you? Or were you skeptical at first? Did you have questions? And how did you, you know, go about educating yourself more and like wrapping your head around like how all of this works? Of course. So I always wanted to try something new. I was actually looking for something new, like what new I can do. Like that's something I was like trying to find out at that particular time. So when I stumbled upon blockchain, like I thought, you know, this is something new and this is something which is like going to strike upon. Even in the first project, I was like, you know, I I want to do this. And then I started researching on the internet, like how I can learn more about blockchain, how I can learn more about smart contracts. And surprisingly, at that time, there were not many resources out there. Everything was like so scattered at that time that was very hard to start onto something new, especially in the blockchain space. And then I realized that, you know, if I start on the blockchain right now, it's like the very early stages of the blockchain. So I will be, you know, starting on the blockchain in very early stages. You are looking at a baby while it's growing. So when the baby is at his adolescence or adult ages, you know that particular baby in and out, right? So, and like I had that feeling with the blockchain. So I realized that if I'll adopt it right now, after 10 years from now, 
I will have like complete knowledge of the blockchain because I have seen it from the very beginning. 2017 was the very beginning, right? Of the Ethereum ecosystem, like the applications were coming on like at that particular time and all that stuff. So I was really excited to do this. And then I started like finding out the resources and there were not a lot of resources out there. I did my own trial and errors. I did a lot of like on my personal level, I did a lot of research. Like I read a lot of white papers and like I wrote like internal documentations of solidity and stuff. And then I figured out how it all works. All these challenges actually excited me more to join blockchain revolution because I realized this is the very beginning of the this particular technology. And if it grows, then in next 10 years, you know, I will be at the forefront of it because like I am joining this revolution at the very beginning of it. Yeah, 100%. It's almost like working on the original version of the internet back in the 1990s, right? Super exciting stuff. You're doing something brand new. You're really helping to build the future of the web and the future of, you know, this big thing that everybody's going to be using in the future. So it is super exciting. So you, you learn about blockchain, you're freelancing in blockchain. And then how did that turn into a quick swap? <laughs> that's a nice question right so i started in 2017 and i did a lot of projects right not just one project like tons of projects i've done some of the big ones are open bazaar so open bazaar was a decentralized marketplace and it was a wonderful like awesome project the team was great like i worked with them as well and then i worked on paraswap so like paraswap was my entry into DeFi. right so in 2019 i started working alongside paraswap so paraswap basically is an aggregator right so when you go to a market, right, if you want to do a swap, you want to swap ETH to DAI, right? and if you go to Uniswap, you're just tapping the liquidity of Uniswap. But if you are using an aggregator like Paraswap, you tap into the liquidity of the entire ecosystem, right? So you will definitely get better rates, right, if you use aggregator. Basically, Paraswap introduced me to the world of DeFi, and it, it was in 2019. And in 2019, the DeFi was actually starting up. That was the time when Uniswap, like the Uniswap V1 came on board. Like other like protocols like Compound, they were still building it. Like people were still building it. The curve was being built. Like the balancer, not balancer. Like I think Bancor was already there. Right, the Kyber was there. So it was the very like early, early like the first year of DeFi or like the very early stages of DeFi. Right, and like Paraswap introduced me to DeFi in the very beginning. So I was very fortunate. Right, so I started in the blockchain. It was very early, and, and I got into DeFi when it was very early for the DeFi as well. Right. So then I started working on all these applications and like meanwhile, I was getting a lot of projects as well. So uh, then I was working on a couple of more projects and then we realized in, the, in those projects, you know, that we need a support for layer two solution as well. So then I started exploring Polygon. Right. So I was started exploring Polygon as well when it was very early, when even the mainnet of Polygon was not out there. So like that's why like I consider myself very fortunate because any technology which I get into, it's like very early stages of the technology. So I really loved the Polygon. Uh, team. I really love the Polygon ecosystem and I really love the idea, the vision behind the Polygon, like the product that they were developing, right? The vision was great. So like I realized that, you know, this particular team, this particular product is going to do great, right? When I was working on Polygon, I like, like I built a very good relationship with the Polygon team as well, with Sandeep, with Chedi, with Anurag and all those people, right? Then in, then in last year, in March, you know, suddenly the prices started going up like of Ethereum, right? Effectively, what happened that you suddenly the overall usage of the ecosystem of the Ethereum platform, adoption of the Ethereum platform, it was like exponentially increasing, right? So the Ethereum prices started going up and the gas prices started going up as well. Like by gas price, I mean the transaction cost on Ethereum started going up, right? So like what a, like a single transaction, a normal Uniswap transaction, which used to cost so like somewhere around like 10 or 15 cents in March, it was actually costing you 
somewhere around 50 or 60 US dollar by September or October 2020, right? That was the surge in the gas production fees and in the Ethereum gas prices, right? So in March, we realized that this is this has started going up. We were looking at the trend. That time, we were not thinking about Quickswap or like layer 2, anything that sort of sort. Then in July, July or August, I'm not sure, but in July or August, the Ethereum prices were 400 US dollars. So suddenly from 90 US dollar, we were sitting at 400 US dollar in just span of three or four months or five months, right? And the gas prices were somewhere around 100 going at that time, right? So that, that was too high. So the transaction cost was already like 50 times what it was in March. And we realized that this trend will keep on increasing, right? So effectively, the transaction cost will become expensive because the gas price will keep on increasing and the Ethereum prices will go on increasing. And we have seen that in somewhere in February, the Ethereum prices, like February or March, the Ethereum prices were somewhere around 4,000 US dollars. And the gas price at that time was somewhere around 1,500 going, right? And the overall transaction cost, like of doing a very simple normal transaction on Uniswap was somewhere around 300 US dollars, right? So that's not viable. So that we realized in January or August, sorry, July or August, that, you know, that's this particular ecosystem, Ethereum ecosystem, it's great, but it's becoming an ecosystem of the rich. If I have a small user of the blockchain, if I want to do a transaction on a blockchain, if it's going to cost me $10, $20 to do a transaction, I will not do it until unless it's very necessary, it's very important and like I have to do it, right? I'm not going to do it, right? So so we realized, you know, if, if we want to bring next 1 million or 10 million users to the blockchain, then we have to scale this problem. We'll have to solve this problem. Like this is one of the biggest user experience problem where you have to pay a very, very high transaction cost and you have to wait for at least 15 seconds if you have given up best prices, right? Otherwise, it can take hours for your transaction to get mined, right? So we wanted to solve this particular user experience problem. Otherwise, there is no way you can get next 1 million users to the ecosystem, to the blockchain ecosystem. So we wanted to grow the Ethereum ecosystem, right? So this is this was the biggest problem. Then we realized, you know, that layer twos are the solution to this, right? And at that particular time, like we believed in Polygon itself, right? We like I, I personally never believed in, in in like any other project. So I worked with a Loom as well. There was a like layer two solution called Loom, but they like they didn't survive at all, right? So they were blockchain, like the systems are down, right? So I really believed in the Polygon because of the ecosystem they had, because of the tools they had, because of the developer support they had, because of the team they had, right? So everything like it was like a perfect situation for us, right? So now we wanted to build this particular layer two ecosystem and then we realized to build any ecosystem, especially a blockchain ecosystem, you need a decentralized exchange. Like that's the first requirement. If any project or like any token comes up, the first need of that particular project is to list their tokens on an exchange where users can trade for their tokens. I should be able to purchase the project's token and like somebody else should be able to sell it, right? The first and foremost requirement for any ecosystem, not just for the DeFi, but for like NFT ecosystem, so the gaming is ecosystem, like for every ecosystem, any particular ecosystem is a decentralized exchange. Like that is something which we realized early on, right? So then we started like figuring out how can we build this particular DEX, right? And we all love Uniswap, right? I love Uniswap, like I love our Uniswap a lot, right? So we decided, you know, Uniswap has a model. These guys have built a super app, superb application, and it's battle tested, right? Like everyone has tried it, like it's the biggest decentralized exchange. A lot of people, users are already using it. Hackers have tried hacking it, but they are not successful doing it. So we like decided instead of reinventing the wheel, why not use Uniswap, right? Why not use like 
the work of the people, like you, the team behind the UNICEF, what they have done, why not simply reuse it and build something on the layer two solutions, build something on Polygon, right? Why we should reinvent the wheel? Because we were not trying to reinvent how DEXs work at that time. We were trying to solve the user experience problem of high transaction cost and high transaction time, right? That was the goal. And we thought we can achieve this by simply replicating what Uniswap is doing on Ethereum. We can simply replicate it if we are able to successfully replicate it on Polygon, right? So then we started cloning out the Uniswap, right? And we were successfully able to do that, right? And another like very important point why we like cloned Uniswap was like we always wanted to solve the UX. That's true. Like even right now we are putting all our efforts towards solving user experience problems, right? But we we also have to consider that we can't compromise on the security because this this is a decentralized application, right? And if we can, if we compromise on security, we are actually compromising the uh, actual user funds, right? So we never wanted to compromise on that. That's why we decided that we will not change even a single line of code in Uniswap's contract because those and we used Uniswap V2 because those contracts were better tested, like those are for out for months. Those contracts were handling billions of US dollars, like millions of dollars of uh, volume every day. So like we were pretty confident that these contracts are highly secure and we didn't want to touch it. So we never touched even a single line of code on the Uniswap contract. We simply deployed them as it is, right? So that's, so we can have the same security model, right? So that's how like QuickSwap like came into existence. So, and finally in October, we deployed QuickSwap on Polygon and we started our journey from that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Wow. What a story. Um, yeah, I totally hear you on, you know, making DeFi accessible to the masses. That's something that I've said a lot on the podcast too. I think it's, you know, the most compelling use case for me for with DeFi is how it can help sort of level the playing field for all communities and all demographics. It's not to help rich people become richer, which is kind of what it seems like is happening in the ecosystem today. It's really to, you know, help everybody have access to financial resources. And um, so I think it's really cool what you guys are doing. One thing that just came to mind as you were saying that, and this is something that I've seen discussed a lot on Twitter and mostly around actually when Sushi forked off uni, but uh, is this question about, you know, when projects like, you know, QuickSwap or SushiSwap, like fork off other projects, is there a responsibility for these projects to sort of give back or credit in, you know, some sort of way the original product or the original project that it was forked off of, either through like tokens or through contributions back upstream or something like this? And I, I'm not sure what, you know, I, I don't think there's a, a right answer to this either way, but just curious to hear your, your perspective on it. I totally agree with you, right? So if you are forking off uh, like uh, some project, we are actually using like whatever efforts has been put up to, you know, build that particular project. So it's the like 100% resp responsibility of that particular community of the, not not only of the project, but of the entire community who's like using that particular, like the forked project is to give back to the project or to the ecosystem, right? And like with that thought in mind, we launched the QuickSwap, right? So the purpose of launching QuickSwap was to give back to the Ethereum ecosystem. And like what we gave back was, you know, next thousand, like not just thousand, like hundreds of thousands of users into the blockchain community, right? Apart from that, like if you specifically ask me from the token, like to tokenomics perspective, we have specifically kept a 5% of the total supply of Quick Token, which will be given to the uni, like to the uni users, not just to the uni users, but to the uni token I would say. So right now we are giving it in terms of liquidity mining. So if you'll go to the liquidity mining page of QuickSwap, you'll always find a pair which is associated with uni token 
and it's always rewarded. So either it's UniQuick sometimes, it's UniUSDC, sometimes it's UniEat, sometimes it's like Uni some other token. But since the inception, we have always rewarded the Uni token holders, right? So if you are a Uni token holder, you can come to CookSwap, you can provide liquidity and you can start earning rewards, right? And we are like trying to figure out other ways as well of doing that, right? So as I said, like it's our responsibility, we are doing this, like the first that the first way that we are doing this is basic, basically bringing a lot of users, right? Because I think that's in itself a biggest giveaway as well. If the ecosystem is doing great, if we're bringing a lot of users and then are starting to learn more about the Ethereum ecosystem, more about the like the entire blockchain ecosystem, that in itself is a good contribution, I would say. Like a good swap community is doing great job over there. And apart from that, we are also giving like token incentives as well. I think that's really great that you guys are doing that. I want to break down some of the things that you were saying about QuickSwap as you were explaining, you know, building the L2 on Polygon, things like that. For people who maybe aren't as familiar with the tech side of things, can you sort of just explain from the basics, like what an L2 is, what problem it solves, and then uh, like, what is that? What is the process like of building on an L2? All right. So like in very simple terms, I would like to explain it too, because like there are a lot of controversies which revolve around layer two and I don't want to get into any controversy like that, right? So basically layer two, like how I see it is a scalability, like a, is a scalability solution for the blockchains. So in case of Bitcoin, it's lightning network. In case of Ethereum, there can be different solutions. Like everyone has their own implementation. They either call it layer two and some people call it sidechains. There is a lot of controversy between like what's layer two, what's sidechain. But for me, like, see, it's not about what's L2 or what's sidechain. It's me, for me, it's about like who is solving the actual problem, right? Like who's solving the current problems? Like what users are liking, what they are using. If they are using, it's working for you. Doesn't matter if it's an L2 or it's a sidechain, right? If, the only thing that everyone should focus on is solving on the scalability issues which Ethereum has right now, right? So we, we should like try solving that. And like if you are doing that, you are doing an L2, right? So L2 solutions are basically or layer 2 solutions are basically solving the scalability issues of the main blockchain or the parent chain, I would say. So in case of Polygon, Ethereum is the parent chain and the current scalability issues of Ethereum is like higher transaction cost and low, like higher transaction times. And Polygon is just solving those issues, right? So like on Polygon, the transaction costs are almost negligible and the transaction times are like very, very less. So the block time on Polygon is two seconds, right? So any solution which, like, which is solving these problems, like in my opinion, is layer two. Maybe this is a dumb question, but coming from a non-technical person's perspective, like when you're building on an L2, are we going to face the same scalability problem that we face on the on the layer one where like what if you know you build on l2 and then that gets over congested and gas fees there get too high is there going to be a layer three and then is, is it sort of just an endless cycle or is like l2 the the end of the scalability problem see i think that's a good problem to help so uh, because right now the level of scalability that layer two solutions have if we somehow choke those like solutions that's a good problem to have like with that means we have brought next 100 million users to the ecosystem. Like if we are like facing these problems right now, we should look this from another point of view, right? So all these solutions are very new right now, not just layer two solutions, even layer one solutions are very, very new. And they are like still very early stages. Like Ethereum is not even 10 years old now, right? Like it's somewhere around like five or six years. Like, and like Polygon is just a year or a year and a half, 18 months or like 24 months old, right? Since they have launched their mainnet, right? So see, these problems will be there if suddenly next 100 million users decided to come onto the blockchain. Like I 100% agree with you that these problems will be there, right? But in my opinion, 
like from this point and until we will receive 100 million users like it's going to take some time it's not going to happen over a night right so we will grow the ecosystem and simultaneously the technology will grow as well right so the tech people are doing their task of scaling the technology so that we are able to handle 100 million users right so the first level of scalability solutions for the layer 2 solutions right and the second level of like scalability could be something else so when we reach 200 million users i, I think we will be ready by then to handle all those load but right now like i like honestly do not have answer to this because everything is very new in 6 months time like from technical standpoint everything changes right what was there in like 6 months back in polygon right now polygon is like 100 times more mature what it was 6 months back so when we started developing quick swap there were very few tools available on polygon right we had like it was like we had to develop everything on our own right there was no graph protocol we wanted analytics we had to deploy our own graph node right there was no dex tools there was no nosis saves right there was only one wallet which was metamask right now like coinbase supports binance supports right even i think trust wallet is going to come frontier is going to come so in last 6 months even polygon has grown 100 times right so what it was able to handle 6 months ago like i can confidently say right now the polygon can handle much more traffic than that right so this ecosystem is growing exponentially right so i think you know right now i don't have any like perfect answer for you because this is a very early stages for all of us but i am 100% sure like we will whenever we'll reach a bottleneck we'll have a solution for it got it yeah i totally realize i'm jumping the gun we're like just starting to talk about l2s and i'm asking you about l3 so let's see let's see how it goes and i'm sure by you know we'll cross that bridge when we get there so another question i have is when you're building on the l2 you know whether it's polygon or something else are there any trade offs that you have to have so like I guess for your case specifically was there any were there any features on Uniswap that you had to to you know sacrifice essentially by building on the L2 So when we started like there were a lot of trade offs at that time because I, like as I said at the time even the Polygon ecosystem was very new even the Polygon was not Polygon at the time it was Matic at that time right so it was very new there were very less resources available over there right there was no toolings available so when you want to develop a product it's not just you deploy and you have an interface and you deploy the product right you need to have a supporting ecosystem around it like in case of uniswap you have dune analytics right you have coingecko supporting it you have like defi defi llama supporting it then you have like tons of tool dex tools supporting it right? so there are tons of tools which supports uniswap and that makes uniswap uniswap if those tools are not there uniswap like wouldn't be like it is what what it is right now right so when we started on polygon those tools were actually not there and it was a big problem for us at that time because there was no way to show analytics right how do we show analytics right there was no way for the users to like have something like apy vision like they have right now there was there was no dune analytics at that time right so virtually there was nothing at that time so at that time it was like very hard to develop the entire ecosystem but that was the idea of building quickswap so when we built quickswap when the project started coming on board and when the quickswap started getting on the and the polygon started getting more visibility in the into the ecosystem all those tools automatically started coming on board now we have dex tools now we have dune analytics now we have binance now we have coinbase now we have tons of wallets supporting it so right now if you want to develop something on layer 2 solution like polygon i think it's piece of cake right you simply need to port your application or you develop your new application on polygon and you will already find everything which your application needs to support and if there is something which your application needs and it's not there i am 100% sure it's going to come in next next few months so right now it's very easy 
Yeah, that's great to know. Another question I have is, so today we're recording this episode on August 4th, but today is the launch of EIP 1559. Uh, How does that change all the problems that we've had so far with gas fees being too high and uh, the scalability problem and all of that? So first of all, I, I don't think it's going to solve the problem entirely, right? It's just a first step towards it. So EIP 1559 is not going to reduce gas prices or gas fees. It's just going to like control the volatility of the gas prices. Right? That's what EIP 1559 is all about. Setting a base price. The base price is decided by the network instead of like your the users or the miners like sending a transaction and stuff. So it will basically control the volatility that we had like for last 18 or 24 months in the Ethereum network, right? So what used to happen, right? Minutes ago, it was 100 and minutes like after it was 1400, right? This will not happen, right? But this doesn't mean that the gas prices won't fluctuate or the transaction cost won't fluctuate, transaction cost won't be high, right? It's not solving that problem, right? First of all, to be very clear, right? So I still think that's a good move. That's a good move towards the scalability, towards solving the gas price problem. So it's a, it's a very good move. And like, I really appreciate it. But this is not going to impact layer two because layer twos are still needed. There are a lot of scalability issues which are still there, right? So layer twos are here to stay, right? Layer twos are not going anywhere. Like if somebody thinks that after EIP 1559, it's going to go away. Even after E2.0, I don't think layer twos will go, will go away. Like in my opinion, layer twos will be a supporting change for E2.0 when it comes on board, right? So EIP 1559 is a good move and and I think all the layer twos will like take this particular, like all the EVM based layer twos will take like EIP 1559 in them as well. So another component of QuickSwap that I wanted to ask you about is the Quick Token. Tell people a little bit more about the Quick Token, like what it is, how does it work, how, how can people get it, all the good stuff. Of course, of course. So Quick is, is like any other tokens, normal ERC20 token, right? The like the wonderful thing about Quick is in its token economics, right? So like for Quick, like I think it's like it's the unique token tokenomics. I haven't seen such, right? So in case of Quick, more than ninety six percent of the token goes to the community, right? And the team just holds three point two five percent of the total token supply. Like I think that's that. I mean, I haven't seen any other team like keeping that much amount of token, right? So everybody keeps more than three point two five, but we have just three point two five with us, right? And we are like giving away everything else to the community. Right? or like 96 plus percent goes to the community in form of liquidity mining or in different forms like whatever will happen like what happens to 96 plus percent of the token will be decided by the community right so governance based it's a governance based token now how you can get these tokens okay so recently we got listed on binance as well right so binance is the biggest platform right now you can get quick token apart from binance you can get either it on uniswap you can buy it on QuickSwap, right? Uh, you can buy it through Transact. Transact is a fiat on-ramp service, like they support with token as well. There are other centralized, like smaller centralized exchanges from where you can buy it. And like, I'm hoping that, you know, in near future, we'll have other bigger exchanges, other bigger payment processors that will start supporting Quick, right? So like at all these places, you can buy Quick token or like you can purchase Quick token. So I want to talk about, you know, what's new for QuickSwap in the future, any cool plans that you have. We had a couple of questions from Twitter. Big Sore from Twitter wanted to know, do you guys have any plans for a mobile app and any upgrade plans on the UI front? 
So right now we do not have any plans for the mobile app, right? Because right now we are focusing more on solving like bigger UI UX problems that we have, right? So as I said, the inception of Quickstrap was based on solving user experience problems, right? And like we have demarcated these UX problems. The first one was solving the transaction cost, transaction time. We have already achieved it, right? The next set of problems is we want to like somehow redesign how people interact with the decentralized exchanges and the DeFi in itself. And we are right now working on it, right? So our new design is almost ready. So we are so so we have divided this in like multiple stages. The first stage is to get the QuickSwap website ready, right? Uh, like which is a uh, which in itself looks very cool, right? Uh, it supports a lot of features and like a lot of stuff is happening right now. And I I, I know like a lot like a lot of community members are waiting for this, and we'll like I'll personally like you know like leak some of the UI designs with you guys, like the sneak peek kind of stuff in the next few days. Gotcha. Super exciting. Another question we have from Twitter is, do you plan to stay on Uniswap V2 clone or develop any new features outside of that? So we have developed a lot of stuff, right, apart from Uniswap V2, right? So we have our staking programs, which Uniswap V2 doesn't have. So they had for like first 60 days, but they don't have it now. We have Dragon Slayer, which, which is not part of Uniswap. And I don't want to disclose this right now because our team is working hard on like doing a lot of stuff around it. But uh, we have something really cool, which we'll be launching maybe next week or next to next week, right? So, which is again, not part of Uniswap video, but like it's going to be a very, very cool product, I would say, like, which will come from the labs with Swap Labs, right? So I wanted to disclose it, but my team is working really hard on this. And they said, no, you, you should do this right now. We'll, we'll do it like on a planned date. So, but yeah, but it's coming very soon, right? And apart from that, we are working on like a lot of other stuff as well. Like I said, we are working to revamp the UI in stages. Uh, like, like you should not expect to come everything out at once, right? You don't want to do that. You want to do this in stages. And apart from that, we have a long-term plans as well, where we are planning to develop a new version for the QuickSwap. But that's like not in the near future. Like the near future, we will try to solve all the UX problems. We'll try to bring next 1 million users to the blockchain ecosystem. That's our goal right now. Cool. And then one other question I think I already know. I, I feel like I probably know the answer to this after everything you've said already. But another question we got is, any? do you have any plans to move to other chains in the future? Or do you plan on staying on Polygon for the long haul? And then sort of a, a, a follow-up to that is, do you have any plans to move any part of QuickSwap to a different chain? For example, having an Ethereum-based, like a Layer 1-based treasury governance, but then a Layer 2-based uh, deployment system. See, right now we want to focus on like one particular chain, right? Because like our our entire goal was to solve the user experience problem and we haven't done that, right? So if we will launch on different chains, we will dilute all our resources because now right now we are focusing just on one single chain, right? And if we deploy on multiple chains, then we'll have to dilute, dilute our resources, dilute our rewards, dilute our attention, everything. And that is something which I think we are not re yet ready to do, right? Maybe in future, maybe in next six months or seven months, we might do that, but not as of now. So there are a lot of like different chains who are contacting us to launch QuickSwap on these platforms. We can actually do that as well. It's not a big deal, but we don't simply want to launch it and then forget about it. No, we want to work it, work on it as well, right? That's the goal. And I think right now we would like to focus off our energy at one place, which is Polygon. And once we are satisfied, you know, that we have like reached, like we have achieved everything we wanted to, then we may like change our focus or we may you know have other chains as well but it's not going to happen in the near future 
Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. And then I know you've spoken a lot about, you know, focusing on UX and UI, obviously like one of the biggest problems with UX is what we've talked about with, you know, gas fees being too high and, and not being accessible to, to the masses. What other aspects of UX and UI do you see as being like the, the biggest problems that you guys are trying to tackle right now? Okay. So the other kind of biggest problems that I see in user experience is like right now, like in DeFi, like people, I'm not sure like how they how they perceive these exchanges as, but they don't ex- perceive these exchanges as a real like business, right? So it's an asset exchange platform where if you provide liquidity, you are actually earning a trade fee, right? They don't perceive it like that, right? Right now, DeFi is being perceived like some kind of an application where like people come to trade, like they, they see it from a different angle, right? And we want to change that particular angle, right? Like this is the f- like quickest you know, a UX problem uh, like I see in exchanges, right? When you go, go to Robinhood, right? Again, it's an ad, asset exchange platform. It's nothing. It's an asset exchange platform. Their assets are stocks, right? In case of us, assets are like crypto tokens. Like that's the only difference. So we wanted to have user experience, which is like quite similar to what Robinhood is doing. We're not going to like copy Robinhood, but we wanted to have a good user experience, which a user gets on Robinhood as well, right? So I think that's one of the biggest UX issues that we have right now. Other than that, like there are very common UX issues, which like I think every layer two has and like Polygon has solved it to a level as well. A wallet supports, right? So when we started, there were very few wallets who were supporting like, you know, Polygon. Uh, right now, there are a lot of wallets who like support, but like we are planning to add support to more wallets as well. So we got recently included in the Gnosis Safe like app as well. If you go to Gnosis Safe right now, you'll find in the, in the default app you'll find QuickSwap, right? So like these are also UX issues in my like personal opinion. Right now the mobile support is not that good, but it's becoming good because now Coinbase supports Polygon. Like a lot of different wallets are supporting. So these were the like uh, another like biggest UX issues that we are focusing on right now. Like how to solve like how. To solve this, right? User shouldn't need MetaMask every time to interact with QuickSwap or any Polygon application, and that was happening for like a good amount of months, right? But it has changed now, right? So we have been working actively on this as well, right? Apart from that, there are like we are also actively working with not with partners for the like best bridging solutions because right now all the assets lie on Ethereum, right? Because Ethereum is the parent chain, Polygon is a side chain or a layer two solution, like whatever you want to call it, right? So all the main assets, they sit on Ethereum. You have to bridge it to Polygon, right? So right now we need to work a lot on bridging solutions as well. So the bridging solutions are easy to use. They are like less expensive to use. And we are working with a lot of partners, you know, to grow that particular ecosystem as well, right? So like there are quite a few things which we are like, either we are directly working on or we are working through partners. But our approach is to let different projects or different partners come on board and solve these problems because the the entire goal of QuickSwap was to solve the UX issues and to provide a platform on top of which others can develop, right? So we don't try to do everything by ourselves, right? Like a lot of people expect us to do everything, but that's not what we are going to do because we want everyone to grow simultaneously. So we like expect and we encourage like other projects that you come to us, you build something on top of us. Right? So yeah, so that's how like we are trying to solve a lot of UX issues. 
Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. It sounds like overall, it's really just making the the onboarding process as easy for people as possible, especially people who aren't yet in crypto, don't even have a MetaMask, don't understand how any of that works. You know, there's so many barriers to uh, to do the simplest DeFi transaction. There's so many steps that you have to do before you can get there. Um, and I think that's a big blocker for people. For sure. So uh, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Like, I, I know you're really passionate about DeFi. When you think into the future, uh, in your perfect world, where will we be with DeFi in 10 years? See, I think it, uh, I'm not sure about 10 years because 10 years is a very big time like in, for this industry. I even don't know about 10 months from now what, what's going to happen in the next 10 months, right? So like 10 years is a very, very big time. But still, like if I have to assume, like in my opinion, Within 10 years, there wouldn't be something called DeFi. There won't be anything called CeFi, right? So, like, a lot of people talk about CeFi, DeFi, like, sexes, dexes, all that stuff, and, like, CeFi fighting DeFi, all that stuff happening. But I think all of it is going to stop at one point. And if you talk uh, talk from the horizon of 10 years, I think there won't be any DeFi or CeFi. There will be a one financial system which is not made of either DeFi or CeFi, right? So, so in my like personal opinion, DeFi and CeFi is going to shake hands very soon, right? You can't expect banks to simply go away, right? No, it's not going to happen, right? If that happens, like the entire financial system will crash. And you can't expect Ethereum ecosystem to go away. No, that's not going to happen because Ethereum has proven itself, right? So what's going to happen next is the centralized finance is going to shake hands with decentralized finance. And we are already seeing that, right? A lot of banks are... They are either experimenting with the blockchain technology with the Ethereum ecosystem or they have already done it and they have products, right? We have seen like Visa supporting like payments. We have seen PayPal supporting like crypto payments. We have seen Stripe doing it. We have seen a lot of big players of like centralized finance accepting crypto, right? And similarly, we have seen crypto accepting fiat as well, right? Crypto accepting centralized finance as well. So like if you talk to me, if you, if you ask me like on-ramp services, that's basically DeFi shaking hands with DeFi, right? CeFi shaking hands with DeFi because that provides you a mechanism where you can convert your fiat to crypto, crypto to fiat, right? That's the first stage of DeFi and CeFi working together, right? So in 10 years, I think there wouldn't be something called CeFi. There wouldn't be something called DeFi. It will just be financial systems, right? And like both DeFi and CeFi will be together, like, and they'll be one, right? So there wouldn't be anything called DeFi in my opinion at that time. Gotcha. And so I guess like, how do you see things playing out? Is it is sort of like stable coins, you know, the way that we transact day to day is fiat still very much a thing? Or, you know, will it vary from country to country, depending on how stable maybe the national fiat currency is or depending on other factors? Again, like, I don't know answer to that, because like, that question is still at large, you know, like, that is something which everyone is trying to figure out right now, right? Like every government is trying to figure out, like every DeFi project is trying to figure out, every bank is trying to figure out that how can we have both fiat and crypto in an ecosystem, right? And they don't conflict with each other. How can, can we have them, right? If we have an answer to that, like the problem is already solved, right? There won't be any issues, like there won't be any conflicts, right? Uh, no, no one will be behind the, you know, the crypto projects and like stuff, like that is not going to happen but in my like like in my opinion like both currencies are going to like play parallelly and they will stay there right the crypto in my opinion will be a global currency but it's still national currencies will be there like usd for united states inr for us and btc or ETH can play a role of the global currency it's more like a gold i would say but it's a global currency right? and stable coins have 
actually proven that you can have a, a national currency on blockchain, right? So if you'll ask me what is USD, USD is more like an USD, USDC is more like an USD on blockchain, right? So okay, if governments started accepting it, it will become a national currency of the United States, right? So and that's what stable coins have proved, right? You can have your currencies on blockchain, right? It's not a gimmick. It's not something like which is far-fetched. It's already happening right now. Yeah, 100%, 100%. All right, well, thank you so much, Samip. Before you go, any final thoughts on QuickSwap or on L2s or on DeFi in general that you want to share? So I think, you know, these times are very exciting and like I really like the like the questions that you have asked me because those are the questions which everyone is asking to like everyone every other day, right? And like everyone is trying to figure out answer to those particular questions. And that's why these times are very exciting because we are still searching for the very basic answers because these are the very basic questions, right? And we are looking out for the answer. That's why the time is very exciting because you could do a lot of innovation around. You can you can put a lot of thought process around. You can discuss a lot of things like to the different thought leaders are around, right? So like in my opinion, these are very exciting times, not just for the DeFi, but for the entire blockchain ecosystem, right? Not just for QuickSwap, but for the entire DEX ecosystem, right? So it's like, it's very, very exciting. So I like encourage everyone out there to at least come onto this ecosystem, to this blockchain ecosystem when it's, it's still exciting, when it's still very new, try it out once and figure it out yourself, whether it's going to stay or not, whether DeFi is going to stay or not, whether QuickSwap is a useful product or not, whether QuickSwap is going to stay or not, whether QuickSwap is solving a genuine problem or not, or it's just a gimmick, right? So I like I would encourage everyone out there who's listening to this podcast, guys, come on, come to us, come to Polygon, try QuickSwap, try other applications, and then decide for yourself whether like Polygon is useful or not, QuickSwap is useful or not, other applications are useful or not. I love it. I, I 100% agree and echo all of those sentiments. I think one of the best ways to get involved in the ecosystem and learn more is just to try things out. So go and get a wallet, go and try out some DeFi products. That's the best way that you're going to get a sense of what all of this is about and you know get a sense of which projects that you like using the most and, and really start immersing yourself in this ecosystem that's inevitably going to be part of our future. So thank you so much, Samip, for being here. Tell people where they can find you if they'd like to connect with you personally and then and uh, let people know as well, if they're new to QuickSwap, how can they go and try out QuickSwap, you know, for the first time? Cool. So if you want to get in touch with me, guys, like you can get in touch with me on Telegram. You can ping me on Twitter. You can ping me on like uh, Reddit as well. I'm on Reddit as well. You can ping me on Discord. You can ping me on Facebook, like any of the communication channels, right? So I like I'm, I'm mostly on that, but I'm like mostly active on Telegram. So if you'll ping me on Telegram, you will most probably get a response earlier than on other platforms, right? So if you want to get into the QuickSwap, I would say like it's as easy of like using any other application. Just go to the QuickSwap website and like you just need to connect to a wallet first. Like that's the, f the first thing that you'll have to do. And like we are trying to solve that issue as well. Like how to make an onboarding process more like smoother for the newbies, right? But for now, you can go to the QuickSwap exchange. You can connect to a wallet. There are multiple wallet options which you can choose between. You can either use MetaMask. If you are not a MetaMask user, if you don't know what MetaMask is, you can connect to Coinbase. You can connect to Fortmatic. You can connect to Portis. You can connect to various different wallets. So you will find all the options out there. Just connect your wallet once and then you go. You can start using QuickSwap, right? That's it. No other steps involved, yeah. And then is your Telegram the same as your Twitter as everything? Is it Samip SI? 
my like my entire life is sami paisa hai so like i have awesome. an email for sami paisa hai. i have an ens for sami paisa hai. i have like twitter i have linkedin like everything is sami paisa hai. Perfect. Make it easy for people to get in touch with you. I love it. All right. Well, thanks so much. Thanks so much, Sameep. Um, I'll, I'll let you go get some rest over there in India. I know it's late. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you listeners for tuning in as always. And we'll be back again soon with another episode of the Unstoppable Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Unstoppable Podcast. If something we said today resonated with you, please rate, subscribe, and download our podcast and share this episode on social media with your network. And remember, the fun doesn't have to stop when the episode ends. You can continue this conversation with us on Twitter by tweeting your questions, thoughts, and ideas to Unstoppable Web. We look forward to chatting with you and thanks again for listening.